Ladies and gents, welcome back to Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, episode 246 now. Guys, it's uh, it's been a week, hasn't it? Lots has happened. Um, as usual, very little of it makes sense because we live in a world of steadfast, unmedicatable lunacy, people. Um, but don't worry, once again, it's, uh, it's 7.30 on a Friday night, so I am here to help you make sense of the senseless, to dance around the insanity as your veritable host of all the awfulness, uh, pointing out the horrors of the modern world like I am the Willy Wonka of awful, ladies and gents. Climate change over here, fossil fuel scarcity over there, that is me, or, or as I'm more commonly known, Aid Thompson, your host. Um, pull up a chair, pull up a stool at the bar. Think of these shows, these podcasts, very much as uh, Last Orders at the Bar of the Titanic. Uh, we're very much, we're screwed, guys. <laughs> the world is coming to an end. It's over. Just grab yourself a beer and drink with me. Now, if you are a new listener uh, or viewer, I do two shows a week. Uh, there's a solo one on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I do uh, like a live Friday one like we're doing right now, uh, usually with a guest, uh, where we try to put the world to rights over its many, many wrongs. OK, uh, we look back on the week. We rip, roast and ridicule the modern world. Uh, oh, and also on a Friday night, we dish out the never coveted yet somehow prestigious tap dancing tosser award. Uh, that's where we look at figures from within the worlds of politics and journalism. And I guess I essentially prosecute somebody each week for the crime of having brazenly performed their bellendry for all to see. It is the tap dancing tosser award, guys. So we're going to put that out uh, a little bit later on. But my guest for this evening's show, guys, uh, it's been a super secret special star guest all week. Super secret until now. Ladies and gents, so please welcome to the show the inimitable, the knowledgeable, the charming Femi Oluwole. Woo! Yay me! Yay you! How you doing, man? Not so bad. Not so bad yourself? Yeah, good. Um, I'm having a beer to wind down from what is, you know, another week of insanity, right? Um, well, it's been fun. It's been well. It's been fun for you, right? It's. Been... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've had the far right on my tail. I've been trending on and off for the past four days. It's been nuts. It's Just nice to getting... be popular, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. If getting an onslaught of racist abuse once every 60 seconds for four days straight is how you wonder would describe popular, including from the likes of Joey Barton and Tommy Robinson. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's fun. <laughs> I didn't realise it had sort of... I mean, to some extent with, with X, uh, mm. you assume that there is a level of uh, contempt, of vitriol coming from the sort of quote-unquote other side. Um, mm. You don't necessarily think it kind of... Like, it, it bleeds out into the this kind of layer of people here. You don't necessarily think it goes back up to higher-profile individuals like a Barton, like a Robinson. So that's yeah. interesting. But no, no. Apparently, I, I, I have that. Uh, I have the cut through the, the, the worst kind of cut through that I can reach the upper echelons of, um, of shitty people. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so basically, I went on GMB to discuss Rule Britannia and whether or not the song should be ditched because it's racist. And the song talks about how we'll never be slaves um, uh, and brags about that, in fact. Uh, and so to be for that song to be put together at a time when we were actively engaged in the slave trade, it's like if a gang of, uh, let's just say, assaulters decided to write a song about how they themselves would never be assaulted, you wouldn't sing that song as some sort of patriotic uh, get-together. So it's obviously a problematic song, but that triggered uh, the right. And apparently the way to disprove my claims that the song Rule Britannia is a key touchstone of racist people in the UK is to send me an onslaught of racism 24-7 for four days. Right. So sort of fighting fire with fire there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So so this week hasn't been a great time for you. Um, I mean, like, if I did, we could just touch on the Royal Britannia thing for a second. Uh, it feels to me like if you look at a song like that, so when, when was that written? You'll probably know this, right? 1706. Okay. So what was the British Empire doing in 1706? Like... It was kidnapping and enslaving millions of black people in Africa and shipping them off to um, uh, America in exchange for sugar and a whole bunch of stuff. Right. So to me, it sort of feels like if we like I get there's a place for tradition. I get there's a um, there's there's British spirit wrapped up in it. And a lot of British people love going to things like the proms and singing these traditional songs. They don't necessarily think of the meaning behind the words mm -hmm. so that to some extent there's a naivety and an innocence to it. However, I also think there's a place for like, have we not moved on? Like, can we not? <laughs> could nobody write a, a less problematic song in the last 300 years? That yeah, wasn't I was drenched on... <laughs> in colonialism and... It exactly i was i was on the bbc talking about it and somebody asked me what i wanted to replace it i was like anything by the spice girls something slightly more with more common appeal um but like yeah a lot of people didn't understand didn't know the the, the problems with that song until i explained it to them because it's a lot a lot of it's innocent like i used to sing this song it made me feel uncomfortable but i used to sing the song uh it was only when i really fully understood exactly the history of the song and of slavery itself i thought oh this is fucked up. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like the the British establishment's version of like uh, what's that Tom Jones Delilah, right? Like everyone, oh yeah, yeah, everyone thinks of it. It's like oh, it's a Tom Jones classic. Oh, he's a bit of a crooner, and and then you listen to the words. You're like, he he's, he's done what to her? <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Uh, so anyway, okay. So you've had an interesting week. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like? Is there ever a point where that you could imagine yourself getting to where you would just hit, you'd be like, do you know what? I just can't take this anymore because you get more abuse than most. I mean, a lot of people on the left who are high profile get a lot of abuse, but you get like more. Yeah, right? so the abuse that I get, it's in the upper levels of it. Um, uh, but at the same time, I get the racist stuff. Every now and then I'll speak to a female creator, a female inf influencer, and she will show me some of the DMs that she gets. Mm. And it's a different kettle of fish entirely. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I got it the worst. It's just it's somewhere up there in just the category of grossly unacceptable. Um, is there ever a point where I would say, all right, now time to pack it in? Uh, two things to say about what one is no because my phrase is giving up is harder mm -hmm. if we give up then that means that these sorts of people are the ones who set the agenda for the rest of our lives mm -hmm. and that makes our lives much harder than simply continuing with doing what we're doing right now 
the other thing in terms of um, this abuse is, uh, yeah, I, 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 I could, I could never give up. Yeah, I've forgotten what the other thing was. <laughs> It's that's fine. I mean, it's it, it kind of taps into something that I remember you were saying last time you were on mm. about, and I said, you know, is it never tempting to you with your degree that like you could just go to a different country and then you know yep. be a lawyer and just leave? And you you it sounded like you were sent um, driven by a sense of duty, like you have to continue pushing for this because if you don't, yeah, like you say, like the bad guys win almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Um, and Sorry, and, I, and I put out I put out a video yes uh, I think it was yesterday um, about it was about Brexit and we'll, we'll get onto the stuff um, about that came out about Brexit this week because it's been insane um, but I managed to use a video from May 2016 of me saying what would happen and that thing has now happened this week yeah. in an incredible way and there are very few people that have actual footage of them being consistently right on the biggest policy of the last 10 years, mm. going back as far as May 2016. And it just it, it's, it's one of the reasons for the lack of trust in politics, because on the biggest issue of the last decade, pretty much every politician, I'd say, I'd say the most politicians have flipped positions about 10 times. So, mm. of course, there's a lack, a lack of trust there. And so... When I look at the fact that I've actually got the credibility on, on this or on the on the biggest issue of the day, if I were to give up, that would be worse yeah. than any most people giving up. It's a it's a big deal. So yeah, I, I couldn't I could never stop. Yeah, I mean it's very admirable. It is. I think I don't have the strength of character that you have. Like if I if I had your degree, and but my principles, <laughs> I'd, I'd just be like. Oh, I can't deal with this. This is just not worth it. Somebody shows me like a brochure of like a nice farm I could afford in like New Zealand. Mm. I'd be picturing my life there like, oh, yeah. And I'd, I'd be yeah. even meaner as well, Femi. Like I'd watch England burn from afar <laughs> with, with my popcorn and beer. I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Um, but, I, uh, I, I, yeah. I would love to have an actual life with kids and stuff. Um, like I look at my parents. Uh, by the When my, my dad was my age, he... I was, I think, four or five years old. Mm. Like, and here I am still just doing my own thing. And that's, yeah, that's the, that's the other thing I was going to say. I'm lucky in the sense of I don't have any dependence, so I can yeah. just go full martyr mode. Yeah. Um, Which is a big thing, right? Like, pe people without kids or before they've had kids, I don't think they truly realize uh, uh, the amount of time and resource and money <laughs> that they just mm. gobble up like now i think back to what my life was like before i had kids i'm like what the fuck was i doing like all <laughs> where did all that time go where did my yeah. 20s go like, um for me it's Fortnite. yeah oh really <laughs> <laughs> that's where all your time goes yeah the, the spare time that would yeah. have been on building a life has gone on Fortnite. yeah and ironically it's like my son is on mm. Fortnite also, but now he robbed it. It's like the time sort of you bequeath the time of your own, like to your kid, don't you? Mm -hmm. um, okay, cool. So I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, a couple of news stories that have bubbled up this week. Um, I was just having a scan back through TikToks and things that I've looked at this week. Um, the first thing that bubbled up uh, Monday, a tax evasion law that was designed by Theresa May and David Cameron, supposedly, to stop corporations from dodging tax a la uh, Starbucks and uh, mm. Google back then. This is, you know, almost a decade ago, I think. Uh, 
it's failed to convict even one person or company in mm. six years. So, and, and we're surprised that, according to I think it's the Equality Trust, uh, the UK has the uh, I think it was fourth large, fourth most financially unequal country in the world. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, in in West in in Europe. Yeah, um, and I think the top amongst advanced nations. It's insane and it's because we choose to let people get away with not paying tax our, our largest vehicle for redistribution of wealth we're simply not making sure it works properly it's nuts yeah and it's like so i was reading this sort of counter argument if you could call it that mm. um because i could let, let's see the context i mean there's, there must be some reason or, or at least some pretense of a reason as to why they would not have even tried to claw back some of this money mm. uh and the nearest i could get to it was them saying, well, when we go after a Google or a Starbucks, because they are very wealthy and international companies, they have very mm. expensive lawyers. Yeah. And so then the lawyers push back and they delay things and it just becomes this bit. It's just much easier if we go after the little guy. I was like, this is doing nothing for, oh. you know, like you say, like trust in politics, yep. trust that things could improve. Like, what difference yeah. is it going to make if you get a Labour administration in if actually the tax avoidance situation isn't addressed, right? Jesus. Uh, well, that's... The, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm generally, and I'm going to get to this uh, later, much more hopeful about the future of the UK, but that's that's a pretty fucked up thing that puts me... that puts a crimp in my step. <laughs> yeah. if, if we... If the, the, the more powerful they are, the harder it is actually to call back the tax run on that's... Uh, yeah, it does make things difficult. Well, I'll, I'll give you some time to sort of process the hate um, <laughs> around that. We'll move on to the second story of the week. Um, mm. This wasn't really a story in the, uh, in the mainstream, like in the, in the newspapers or anything. It was more like confined to Twitter, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, it was this sudden slew, which if, if we're holding our hands up and we're being fully honest about it, can usually mean or can sometimes mean that it is the result of bot farms, right? If you mm. suddenly get a lot of accounts talking about very similar thing, but they're all like faceless, sock puppet looking things, it can just be a coordinated thing. But I don't think this was. It was an, a slew of upper middle class seeming families on Twitter suddenly caring about cost inflation but only specifically when it's tied to private school fees. I don't know if you saw this. Yes, I, th I, th I think I saw. I think I saw something about that. But I, I think there was. I saw a bit about that. But a lot of it was fears about um, what would happen if we had a Labour government and they started taxing private schools. Yeah, so that's it, right. so The stories must have been slightly linked. I'm guessing. Yeah. So it's. I, I mean, I think the Labour taking away the VAT status from the private schools or taking away charity mm. status i can't remember which it is now mm. um that was first floated two or three months ago right um mm. but since then it's sort of done the same thing as inheritance tax did where like every six weeks it bounces back up yeah uh, into the periphery um and this week it was <clears throat> there was a couple of reasonably big accounts on twitter who was like one of them wrote like a big long like five or six paragraph thing saying i'm laying awake at night terrified about what this labor policy is going to do to me um the hike in private school fees you know we work really hard my husband earns 75 grand a year he works really hard for it we're trying to push our kids to have the life that we never had and this isn't fair and we don't know how we're going to afford it and then somebody went into this woman's tweet history <laughs> as, as as you do mm -hmm. and they dug out a tweet by her 
to somebody else from a couple of months ago where she's doing that like right wing thing where she's like, if you can't afford kids, don't have them. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. (laughs) I was like, that's oh, it's perfect. Like, I mean, you dream, you dream of finding like a an antidote tweet (laughs) like that. You know, when they say there's always a tweet or like this you. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, but that's for, just for me. The, my favorite thing about it is that they tell on themselves so much every time they do this whole. We work really hard to provide for our kids. That's why we deserve better than you, other people who are also working just as hard. Yeah, like it's that lack of awareness of the fact that other people work just as hard as you, but don't get to send their kids to thousands of pounds a year school. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think this sort of actually maybe maybe the reason that the Twitter accounts were uh, blowing up about this is because there was a Telegraph blog or piece earlier in the week or last weekend where there was a, a very well-to-do family uh, mm. and they were saying they didn't think they should be penalised for sending their kid to private school. Uh, quote: We are not wealthy. Um, and my girlfriend went to private school. And she has a completely different look. I showed her the thing and I was like, they don't even understand how ridiculous they sound. And she was like, but if they're if they're working hard and they're trying to give their kids a better thing and then they suddenly get hit with this new thing for like 500 pound a month more or a grand a month more like that's, you know, you have to have sympathy with them. Being, I'm like, but they have a choice, right? They can take their kids out of school. And she's like, would you take our son out of school and traumatize him, drag him away from his friend? And then it, I was like, I, like, I get it. But also they are buying privilege. <laughs> so like, yeah, like, I think it's, it's the reason why. Oh, I hope we haven't lost you. You've frozen or is it me that's frozen? Oh no, guys, have we lost Femi? Live TV, guys. Are you back? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, there you are. Sorry, I was just about to text you in a panic there. <laughs> uh, um, by definition, private schools are a vehicle against social mobility. They're designed to ensure that inequality in society stays there. So the idea that they should get charity status is just doesn't make sense. It should be the default that everybody gets the same. You are paying to make sure that inequality stays in the in society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a little bit more sarcastic than that when I, I ended up sort of clapping back to my missus going like, you know what? If they can't afford it, they should just go and knock on the headmistress's door and ask them very nice because it's it's a charity, isn't it? They'll be nice to them. They'll just give it away. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's it's inescapable, isn't it? The the um what's the word? Like the increasing of the quality of your life, like your life chances that you mm-hmm. uh that you benefit from from going to an institution like that. Um I, th- I think it's something along the lines of I think there is it set I think thirty I think something it's something ridiculous like thirty percent of people at um oxford and cambridge are at private school compared to like seven percent of the population that goes there something like that yeah and it's like if you go into you know i know not everything is london but if you go into sort of big london industries uh the city like banking insurance um tech uh broadcasting um seven percent we say like go to private school and yeah, it's about 50 to 60% of people that dominate those industries, those corporations, those board roles that are uh, are privately educated. So it is, 
inescapable the leg up that it gives you yeah um, not just in terms of the education but also the connections because it means that you're going you're you're going to school with other people with, with your friends and your friends will have rich parents which will have which will work in rich sectors and you'll be able to get those letters of recommendations those mm. um those connections to maybe get a job when you leave school all those sorts of things and i i went to private school for 11 out of my 14 years of schooling so i was primarily in private school and you do see the difference in in personalities between the they're like basically two types of people that go to private school one um recognizes that well, one believes that they deserve to be there like mm. they believe they're better than everybody else um and the rest is acutely aware we don't deserve this kind of leg up right and that leads to two very different types of people when they when they go up go up into the real world one is just basically saying i only really empathize with people that went to private school and therefore i only really care about those sorts of people and therefore i'm going to pass policies that penalize working class people and to the um, in favor of um the the rich people and the other type says no we have a leg up let's try and level the playing field as much as we can mm. that's and you can see that really clearly when you look at parliament especially yeah yeah i mean i i know a fair few people who've been privately educated um i'm happy to say that most of them i i've got no bad words to say like they don't come across as sort of callous or unempathetic like they're very left-leaning in their in their attitudes and sensibilities um but i have heard some horror stories as well i've heard stuff like people people privately educated people talking to people who come from a state school background who they don't know they came from a mm. state school background and they refer to people uh, like they're like you know if you send your kids to um to a state school they're going to come out as chavs and then this person then comes away to me and goes like can you believe what that motherfucker just said to me <laughs> like so it's yeah. it's like they said it, then it, it sort of breeds a lack of trust doesn't it it's like well what are they saying like if they if they didn't if they knew that i went to a state school would they not say things to me you know yeah <laughs> i don't know exactly. anyway let's let's move on to the next one um and then i've got a, a little game that i'd like to play with you femi if that's okay i love this okay um, so the next next story that bubbled up this week uh, was the obsession with the royal family. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah has been diagnosed with skin cancer. Kate has a mystery abdominal thing. Uh, Wills is juggling the kids. Curiously, no mention in any of the coverage of their house staff, nannies, au pairs and, and so on. Mm. Um, but this has been again like dominating the certainly the mail the express the telegraph is this ongoing obsession with the royal family like they are our national soap opera is how mm -hmm. i sort of look at them now but i also I, I talked a bit about this on last week's show i also think it's really interesting that it's only like two weeks i know january seems like a long long time but it's only two weeks since the andrew epstein stuff blew up again <laughs> and then two weeks down the line we've got all these royal health problems and stuff, you know, it's like, it's something, do you, do, let me, let me pick your brain on this. Do you think it's beyond the realms of possibility that Buckingham Palace PR department have actually strategized all of this? Wait, are we suggesting that either it's all made up or the firm just like gave them all COVID or something? I think, well, so we are not suggesting this. I'm going to protect you from this. Of, of course we're not <laughs> suggesting this. Of course. I'm, I'm <laughs> suggesting they've made up. Um, I'm suggesting that 
they like they might not have made it all up, but they may have coordinated, carpet bombed the news with their mm. individual health things deliberately to garner sympathy and to shift the narrative on from what was an incredibly awkward fortnight with the Andrew related headlines. Do you think that's possible? It is 100% the sort of thing that they would do. I mean, we've, we've seen the sort of way they've tried to control the press in terms of which stories go out from which people, which leaks happen when. We saw that with the, all the various documentaries that the Harry and Meghan did. Mm. This is the sort of thing that they would do, whether or not they're doing it in this situation is anybody's guess. But I think the main thing is that nobody really cares. I, I don't <laughs> think people really care because I think for a lot of people, um we like the queen we like the queen um because she was a queen and yas queen but having a king is so incredibly basic yeah that i just don't think anybody's interested in the royal family that much certainly not millennial and below yeah and it's i don't know if you saw the stat that came out i think just just last week or maybe maybe it was even just shy before all of these health things started mm -hmm. kicking off mm -hmm. But it was support, like popular support for the royal family, for the monarchy as is, has dropped below 50% for the first time. Okay. Well, I guess then, I guess your theory does lend credence to your theory that they say, oh, they don't like us anymore. Like, come on, like us. What if we die? What if we all die? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they would have said it quite like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I just think it's really interesting that it's like this happened and now all of these things are happening. And I'm thinking, like, is so every time Andrew gets in trouble, every time Andrew is another form of embarrassment to them, then another member of the wider royal family will come down with something, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that does seem like a, a it's a good strap. It's a good strap. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I would like to play a game with you, Femi Oliwale. Mm -hmm. um, last time you were on the show, I mentioned this a short while ago, you came across as though you were driven you had principles, you're a good guy, you're doing this all for the good of the country, you're campaigning to, you know, reverse Brexit, to get proportional representation in. All of these things are coming from a good place. You're a good person. And I've met you in person and you come off as a good guy. So. I'm, I'm waiting for the butt. <laughs> you're very perceptive. Yeah. So you're a good guy and perceptive. Um, so. Be that as it may, good guy Femi, I thought, as this show is A. Thompson and other disappointments, we tend to sort of coast on the fumes of negativity and pessimism. I thought it might be fun to play a game called Break Femi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's do this. <laughs> okay. So we're going to unwrap the, uh, the decoration of uh, positivity to you, optimism, um, friendliness, all of that, and we are going to peel this onion. In we Let's go. Do it. So, what is the last thing you did that you really wish you didn't? Ooh. Um, last thing I did that wish I didn't. Uh, take oh, as, take uh, as long as you like. We're not monetized. <laughs> so we're not going to cut to an ad break. I'll just hold on. I'll type something to the guys in here. Wait. QA questions. For me and Femi. Go. Oh, I uh I missed a TV appearance because I didn't check my texts for two days straight. Oh mate, come on. 
that can was you bad. can you can we muckrake here a little bit? Like, <laughs> who was it? Who did you pie off? <laughs> um, uh, another one would be. You're not going to uh, tell me. <laughs> who, who did you who did you wake up and go like oh i'm not going to that <laughs> um uh okay well let, let's just say the top three news uh channels in the uk was one of those okay uh, and i messed up badly <laughs> okay We're, it's very diplomatic uh, yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll just be left to wildly speculate <laughs> which of course we will do now in the chat um mm -hmm. okay Good, good, good answer. Um, what is the worst thing you've ever done? So that was the last thing you wished that you hadn't done, but now let's pan out your entire life. What's the uh, worst thing you've ever done? Um, oh, I think I pulled one of my teacher's skirts down when I was nine in front of, in front of the entire school. Oh, wow. Okay. That was, that wasn't good. I and... also got... You what? didn't. You didn't even need to wait like sort of twenty seconds to think of that. So that's obviously <laughs> it plays on your mind. <laughs> Forgive yourself, Femi. You were a child, for goodness' sake. Yes, it's a podcast, um, but it's also therapy. Okay. Um. Okay. If this next question, question three. Mm. If this were just a chat between you and I, mm -hmm. nobody watching. Yeah. Um which could actually be quite a realistic scenario, you know, like you, you may not even need to imagine that <laughs> nobody's watching, but if it, let's just say it was just you and me, you know, we're just talking sure, in the pub. Sure. And I asked you this, if I said, Hey Femi, what's your favorite swear word when there's no cameras on you? What would you say? I think I'm definitely sitting with fuck. It's, it's definitely fuck. Um, I like how adaptable it is. Like it, it works just... in every situation. I mean, I'm more of a C bomb guy, but I wouldn't expect mm. you to uh, to do that. I mean, you don't want to get, you know. Uh, there's a, there's a TikTok that's like probably fuck, probably fuck. Um, <laughs> but um, it's so it's so malleable of a swear word. Yeah, isn't it? it's like you can use you can uh, like um, bookend other words onto it. Mm. It can mean a good thing or a bad thing. It's you know. I'm, I'm feeling I, although I, I do like using shit in terms in places where you wouldn't where you would expect to hear a fuck like right. how the shit did you do that that's what that's all way. yeah because I, I tell you what like when you when you switch out a word like a swear word like that where the other one would normally be more appropriate it's like it creates a haywire like circuit thing exactly why the shit would you do you're like huh where did you learn to swear like <laughs> exactly <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, I would, I'd go with, I think the C-bomb for me, but then motherfucker, I think, just underneath mm. is a, a number two. Mm. Um, okay, question four. Who has a really punchable face? <laughs> well, if you would ask half of Twitter, it would probably say me. Um, okay. <laughs> um, uh... I cannot ever be on record as condoning political violence, so I'm going to call the pass on that one. Fair. You're going to plead the fifth, smart man. Um, okay, last one. Last one of these horrible break Femi questions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably the worst one, though. Let's just set expectations there. Um, if the Tories said they would reverse Brexit, but Labour said they wouldn't, would you vote Tory? <laughs> uh, 
see, this is the messed up thing, because if the only policies they had were that, then yes, but with Tory comes everything else they're doing in terms of fascism, racism, sexism, inequality, and general corruption. However, in the position we're at right now, where Labour isn't really offering particularly left-wing policies anyway, and they're mm. basically chasing the Tory votes, there isn't that much difference between the leadership and the policy plans of Labour to the policy plans of the Tories. And so one would think, well, why not add an extra 4% to the economy and take a thousand pounds, give a thousand pounds extra to every family and household in the country? Yeah. Um, ah. I would have to. I would have to go with on balance. I'd probably have to say labor on the bait on the hopes that they'd at least give us a better, a softer Brexit. Yeah, and then hopefully fix more things. That's interesting. So soft Brexit with labor over rejoining with the Tories. I mean, not. I mean, the, not from, the, from a true. practical standpoint, I don't. For from in terms of what are my actual real priorities that I think has to happen within the next five years? Yeah, the rejoining of the single market and customs union, yeah. which can be done in a matter of months. That's the priority because that's the thing that's actually going to improve people's lives. The official rejoining, getting a seat at the table, that sort of stuff. Yes, that's a political ambition which we should stay aim for, but that's not what's actually going to change things for people. Mm. So a soft Brexit would be the immediate priority. Can I just ask, um, and I'm, I'm not sort of like challenging you because I'm sure that you know way more about this. I'm, I'm just genuinely interested. Um, so with the 4% GDP, like this is something that gets talked about quite a lot with Brexit um, and the aspiration to, re uh, to reserve, uh, reverse it, sorry. Um, when I was talking to one of my Brexiter friends, um, mm. he's a financier, he's like a hedge fund guy. And I was saying about reversing Brexit. And I was like, you know, here, here, here we've got two main parties who are obsessed with achieving growth. And yet yep. neither one of them are talking about the one way that I would envisage that you could achieve that relatively quickly. And his pushback on that was like, look at the Eurozone aid. He was like, look at France, look at Germany. He was like, do you see any of these countries growing? Do you see the Eurozone as a whole growing? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I'm not an economist. I'm just sort of going off what I've heard and like what I've read from the news sources that I consume, right? So when you say rejoining or rejoining the single market and to get that sweet, sweet 4% GDP, um, is that like, how does that work? How, how do you reconcile that with the reports that the Eurozone so, is struggling? So, so there, there's so much in there. There's one, there's the fact that the Eurozone is something we were never part of. It's the Euro. Oh, I see. Um, and so there's lots of problems, problems with the Euro, which I don't think we should ever join because of that. I don't think you can have monetary union without tax union because it messes up the policies. Um, uh, but the main point is this argument of look how bad Germany's doing, look how bad um, France is doing, therefore Brexit was the right decision. It is the most stupid argument I've heard in a very long time. Right. It, 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 it is almost as bad as literally not understanding basic addition and subtraction. Right. Like, even if you take Brexit out of it, there are things that can happen in economies that have nothing to do with Brexit. Economies have gone up and down all across the world. The, the question of Brexit is making things better or worse than we would have been if not for Brexit. Yeah. That's what it is. Like Germany doing bad, unless you can say Germany having free trade access with all of its neighbors is the reason why it's doing poorly, yeah, then yeah. your argument makes no sense at all. 
Like us having free trade with the EU is not going, it can only be a good thing because we're seeing the, the cost that it's causing to those countries. If you're not explaining why not a lack of trade barriers mm. is the reason why the EU is struggling, mm. your argument for why we should have those trade barriers has no logic behind it whatsoever. Okay. I shall I shall try to bank that and then retail it uh, to him next time. I, I also wanted to pick your brain on like the immigration side of it. So I was sort of wargaming this a little bit in my brain. Uh, this is going back a couple of months now. And I was like, if you looked at Brexit through the prism of cheap European labour uh, and you suddenly turned off that tap, the idea, I guess would be that companies local like domestic companies would then be forced to hire local locals wouldn't do it for the same rates as eastern europeans so then the companies would be forced to raise wages and salaries to attract the staff in um but that doesn't really seem to have happened so what are your thoughts on why that would be frustrated why that hasn't come to pass i think there's going to be an element of um we've simply seen a there'll be an element of well if you're not going to do it if we can't get if we can't get the well, sorry so as we have had lots of record levels of immigration so yeah. we have been taking people from across across europe yeah um second secondly i'd say that what well, a lot of the policies of the tory government have been let's just import cheap stuff from abroad so we don't have to pay people to make the stuff here right um uh and Thirdly, I'd say that the entire argument of um, we'll get better wages if we don't have immigration, it's based on this side. It's, it's based on a faulty premise because we've seen uh, the idea would be, well, if we if we if, ever, if the workers are the only people, if the workers, if there are few workers here, then they have more bargaining power to say we'll get better wages. But every time we've seen workers try and demand better wages in this country, what has the Tories' response been? Yeah. Well, how dare you go on strike? How dare you withdraw your labour? They're yeah. the they're the exact opposite of everything they claim to be trying to chase with this whole "we'll get you better wages" thing. They've yeah. been clamping down on wages like they've done since Margaret Thatcher. Um, so yeah, that's an entire lie. The, the the problem is we often look at immigration through a despite being on the left, we look at it through a right wing lens. We look at it through the capitalist lens, lens of well, if there are more people then the employers have more people to choose from. So the employer has the whip hand and can basically choose what they want to pay because it's in supply and demand. We should be looking at it as, no, if we have strict rules in this country, strong unions that prevent the exploitation of people on lower wages, mm. then it doesn't matter if the, if people from, from abroad are potentially willing to work for lower. No, we set industry standards for this is what you get paid. That's how our economy should be functioning. It's because we have a system that allows people to be exploited on lower wages that we end up with the with the exploitation and, and the drop in wages. See, I wondered if it might be like, um, so there's two things that leapt to mind. <clears throat> the first one was that because we lived in uh, live in a globalized world, because so many of these companies are like multinational, mm. um, if you start making it hard for them to hire in talent in Middlesbrough, or Essex or wherever, and they know that they like that might just be the catalyst for them to go. Do you know what we? Wh why are we hanging around here? Like it's so much cheaper to go over to Poland directly or to go to you know. Yep. Um, and we've seen businesses leaving. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. The other thing that that came to the fore uh, as I was war gaming uh, was that if we had a 
Brexiter Tory government who wanted to spark wage growth with Brexit in that capacity, then surely they should be front of the queue to say, OK, well, it's harder for us in councils, in the fire service, in the police. It's harder for us to, to hire these people because we've got less immigration. So I tell you what we're going to do to set the tone. We're going to hire um, we're going to heighten wages and salaries for these roles. And then, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll be an example in this new Brexit paradigm. But it's interesting. It's actually the complete opposite to that, isn't it? Like they've mm. they've done the Brexit. They've gone, oh, I'm sure wage growth will come along any minute now. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, by the way, teachers, less money, nurses, less money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. They, 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 you're right. The idea that they should have um, tried to increase, deliver, deliver wage inflation, but they have gone the exact opposite direction. Yeah, it's because they never care. Wage inflation of the, of jobs like doctors, nurses, firefighters, teachers mm. is the exact opposite. It means giving to the poor and taking from the rich effectively. And that's the exact opposite of what they stand for. We have, I think, 63% of Tory members are against fundamentally against the idea of spending money to help poor people. Compared mm. to about 13% that were in favor of it. Mm. That's who the Tories are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was something that was really hammered home to me a couple of months ago when when one of the many times that inheritance tax has sort of come up uh, front pages of the of the newspapers was that when you have a national debt as colossal as ours and taxes so high to service that debt, once the problems that come along with that start knocking on the middle and upper middle classes doors, then they have a really difficult decision to make because they want to cut taxes for themselves, but they can't realistically do that while the debt is this high unless they slash welfare and make already broke, miserable people's lives infinitely harder. Like we've already Mm -hmm. been through 10 years of austerity um, and had people just cut back to the bare minimum. Now you've got this class of people up here going like, well, I still think taxes are too high. <laughs> and yes, mm-hmm. we've borrowed all of this money, but I don't want it coming knocking on my door. So if I have to slash you to the bone to get a nice, sweet little cut to inheritance tax, I, that's where we are. We are now, you know? No, but that, that's precise. I mean, that's the it's that mentality that gave Rishi Sunak the kind of the feeling that it would be OK for him to say, yeah, I defund deprived urban areas in favor of rich ones. Yeah, it's that mentality that allows for that, which is, of course, what he said in the um, I want to say caucus. Is it caucus in the UK? It's a word. It it's like caucus. <laughs> it's left yeah. my head. Um, um, but in the run up to the leadership. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tory yeah. party leadership. Hustings. Yeah. Hustings. 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 That's the word. It's not even yeah, close yeah. to caucus, is it? What am I talking <laughs> about? Um, OK, so um, this week's tap dancing tosser award femi mm-hmm. uh previous winners if you can call them that uh include johnny mercer uh nadim Zahaway, uh who else we had sean bailey was the other week um who if you had to nominate somebody for the tap Do- dancing tosser award this week can you is anybody leaping to mind there are two uh and they're, they're both because of what they've done on brexit right. uh one is Rishi Sunak. His offer to the DUP is that uh, basically they're going to make it so that 
every law the UK passes is going to have to be screened to make sure that it doesn't create any trade barriers in the Irish Sea, which right. means that from now on, if this offer is accepted, all UK law can't really diverge away from EU law because obviously Ireland has the EU laws. Yeah. Uh, and this is the way to solve the Northern Irish border situation, um, which means that we will end up copying EU laws, but no longer being able to influence them in the name of taking back control. Um, it is the biggest Brexit betrayal one could possibly ever imagine. Um, and but so you must be, is that are... not good news though? Like if we're, <laughs> if, we're, if we're aligning ourselves broadly, informally with the EU, like you must be exactly. happy. It's great news, but it's just like, it's what I was saying before. I predicted, I've got a video of me saying in 2016, and I made the video in May 2016, saying um, that if we leave the EU, we won't have to do this, just pass the same rules as the EU, but we'll end up having to do roughly the same things in order to stay competitive. Yeah. Um, and I predicted that in May 2016. Here we are eight years later. And it's now about to be Tory official government policy. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose uh, the other thing is, and <clears throat> I'm sure you all know this already, but, um, you know, for the benefit of viewers, um, the other thing is, is like if, even the argument that we could dilute regulation, that we could cut the red tape. Like that's certainly true of things that only affect our own domestic like mm. land area, right? So stuff like sewage in the rivers, yeah. like n Europe are not necessarily going to care about that. But in terms of product, in terms of selling stuff to other markets, even if we're not selling to European countries, if we're selling to other countries who are tied up in trade deals with European countries, then chances are they're going to hold standards up to the massive European market. Yep. They're not going to like renege on that <laughs> to please little <laughs> old bl blighty, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, um, the other uh, uh, tap dancer is uh, uh, Kemi Badenoch. Um, Can I just say uh, I love, I love that we've we've touched on like favorite swear words, and you know that was in the break Femi section, and it's, mm -hmm. I felt a bit mean like towards the end of that. But I love the fact that now we're into the tap dancing tosser segment. You can't you can't quite bring yourself to say tosser. <laughs> Say tap dancer. Oh. I just forgot. I forgot. I forgot the third word. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so I shortened it to tap dancer. Um, okay. <laughs> but Kemi Badenoch, uh, she said the reason why we haven't got a um, a deal with the U.S. is because Trump lost the election. Right. Um, so the big promise of don't worry, we don't need the EU to trade. We can just trade with America. They're they're a much bigger market. That's completely fallen to shit. And the reason she's given is because we no longer have Big Daddy Trump. And the problem with that rhetoric is, A, um, when we when the referendum hand happened, you had Barack Obama saying, you'll be at the back of the queue for a deal with the, with the US if you vote to leave. The Brexiteers didn't believe him, and now that's coming true. The second thing is, if her answer, the thing that would make Brexit a huge success, is Donald Trump, well, what was it? I think it was in 2017, he went on a huge rant where he said um, um, the America Americans pay far too much for our medicines and it's because of socialized health care um, across the world. So I'm going to make uh, make sure that all those freeloading health services will pay more for their drugs so that we pay less in any trade deal that I negotiate. Mm. Um, and so he was his plan explicitly was to make the NHS pay more for drugs. And right now we're we're having a major medicine shortage. And it's been made worse by Brexit because of all the red tape. 
and Kemi Badenoch's solution is a guy that planned to make that medicine shortage even worse. Yeah. So yes, tap dancing tosser. <laughs> I love I love the, the vitriol on it as well. <laughs> so yes, Aid, tap dancing tosser. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that, about the, the Donald Trump and Brexit thing that always got me was like, you know, here we are banging our pots and pans about sovereignty, about independence. And yet the flip side to that coin always seems to be a sort of weird subservience to America. It's like, oh, we don't need Europe. We'll leave the EU. Yeah, we're going to leave the... And then on the flip, like within a, a blink of an eye, we're willing to bend over backwards and go running to Trump or Trump's America, mm -hmm. begging for that trade. It's like all you're doing is passing the driving seat to another big trade block. Exactly, um, exactly. The extent to which we've we've essentially tried to replicate um, what we had with the EU only with less say and less power and less economic benefits is wild. Mm. Like joining the CPTPP is insane. Like one of their like goals is eventually to move towards uh, harmonization of laws, having this having similar laws. Like s same with ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. All the big major groupings are all regional across the world because mm. everybody sensible knows you do most of your trade with the countries that are right next door. The yeah. idea that we can form strong and strong um, trade relationships um, that can replace what we had with the EU, with China, with um, um, Asian countries, with America is just geographically stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> like since since the first uh like radicalizations of brexit i remember thinking like even if you take all of like the the uh the heated up rhetoric out of it if you just look at trade and the history of trade not that i'm an expert in it but just from a layman's perspective i'm like trade brings peace to neighboring countries if they all work mm -hmm. together if you break yep. away from that you isolate yourself <laughs> You actually create a candidate for invasion by doing that historically. So there's yep. that. The second thing is like, yeah, as you rightly point out, like the world is actually getting smaller. When you look at countries pairing up new trade blocks, it, like at some point they will become political. That's just the nature yep. of the beast. Yep. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, be it's because it, I mean, the greatest, like, one of the greatest lies of Brexit was this idea of um, no, when in 1975 we voted for an economic union, not a political union, um, which is total bullshit because the biggest barrier to trade is having different regulations, mm. having to make your products comply with the regulations of different countries, which sends costs through the roof. So you've got to make those regulations the same. But who makes regulations? Politicians in, in parliaments and stuff. So mm. you have to have a degree of political union in order to get economic union. Yeah. That's just common sense. It was all a lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Kemi Badnock, Rishi Sunak. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave those two as nominees mm -hmm. as second and third place. Okay. Uh, this week's tap dancing tosser award. Um, okay, so I, I mentioned earlier, so last week's or like the previous recipients, last week's one uh, went to a Daily Mail journalist called Liz Jones for her over the top piece about an almost certainly imaginary woman in a park who was so devastated and emotionally affected by the news of Kate's going into hospital that apparently this woman stopped and stared at her phone, took her mittens up from her phone to her aghast mouth. How she was working her phone with these mittens on, we we still don't fully understand. Um, anyway, obviously made up story, I feel. Um, mm -hmm. So that was last week, Liz Jones. 
Uh, this week, this week's tap dancing tosser award, Simon Clark, uh, <laughs> for impressively leading the journo political class right to the top of the hill, guys, earlier this week, only to have his leadership challenge to Rishi Sunak deflate and falter before it had even begun. Um, though that didn't stop political editor of the Beano, Harry Cole, from seemingly taking this at face value and reportedly running with it. Um, I mean, I say reportedly. No, <laughs> yeah. one, no one has seen Harry Cole running for literally years. Uh, so, yes, Simon Clark, uh, Clark, take a bow. You are this week's tap dancing tosser. Woo! Um, right, I was about to say we've come to the end, but we might have some Q&A here, Femi. So let's just quickly go let's into the it. chat. Are you ready? I suspect these questions will be nicer than the break Femi ones. Let's go. <laughs> um, I love I love those questions. <laughs> Uh, right, here we go. Uh, Duke Vengeance says, are we doomed? No, um, I am extremely positive about the future for a number of reasons. One, um, as, I've, as you many of you have heard me say before, in almost every single election since the Second World War, the majority has voted for parties to the left of the Conservatives. We are a progressive voting country. All that needs to happen is for us to have a voting system where every vote counts equally. And given that the majority of the Labour Party, its members, are massively in favour of changing the voting system to a proportional voting system, um, uh, once we do get the Tories out, we will actually have a party in power that answers, in theory, to members who want a fair voting system. So the, the path to changing UK politics, delivering progressive politics for the rest of our lives, is there for the mm -hmm. taking. Not to mention Gen Z uh, is revolutionizing um, where, where we're about to head. They will simply will not tolerate this crap. I often joke that uh, when I'm speaking to boomers, millennials, we were your last chance to come quietly. Gen Z will not stand for this. Yeah, fair. Um, uh, Richard Marsden says, what are you most proud of? Uh, huh, huh. Um, this is like the I antidote to the like. What's the what's the worst thing you ever did? Now, Richard, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. well, well, hang on a second. Let's keep it light. Keep it light. <laughs> uh, what's the thing you're most proud? Of? I think. I think I, I think it was what I, what I mentioned earlier. The fact that I've got footage of me um, being correct consistently on the biggest policy of the last ten years, mm. um, right from May 2016 up to now. I think that's gives me a degree of confidence in in politics that very that not many people can can have yeah and indeed if, like even probably outside of politics it just in your judgment and your ability to perceive and to um... know where things were going to go with this issue yeah, Cause I, yeah. Cause I, like i my my understanding of british politics in 2016 was crap mm. i mean bargain basement crap um so i'm i'm genuinely shocked that uh, the guy who i was back then could have figured this out Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that, almost. Who's the stupidest person you've been forced to debate on TV? That's from Kerry. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, oh, uh... I wish I wish I'd asked the Patreon. So Kerry's one of my patrons. Uh, I wish I'd asked them like for these questions in advance because mm. I would have sought out. I would have gone onto YouTube to find like an interview where they'd asked you something like and they asked the other one, and then their response to it is so light speed dumb that the camera then goes over, and I just love a little cut of you going like. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> um i think 
I'm, I'm, I lean towards uh, Mark Francois and Karl Malone would definitely be high up there. Okay, because it, it is because it's bad. Like um, Mark Francois, because he's that one that said um, when I said that um, every medical body in the UK, from the British Medical Association, Royal College of Nurses, Royal College of Midwives, Royal College of Radiologists, all saying Brexit will be bad. Yeah, um, and he said, "Well, we don't know. That's an opinion." Yeah, and then he said, "Let's try it." And yeah. bear in mind, he said this in January 2020. Um, let's try weakening our health service in January 2020. How yeah. did that go? Yeah. Um, and then Carol Malone, because one time uh, when uh, the Black Lives Matter protesters, they put up a statue of a Black Lives Matter protester in place of Edward Colston, which technically you require a permit for, so it's not fully legal. Um, and it was the same week that um, Banksy did some graffiti on, a, on an underground tube, on a, on a tube. Right. Um, and I was like, uh, well, they're both acts of defiance. They're both acts of civil disobedience. Um, and she was like, no. Um, and she was like fully condemning the, the Black Lives Matter one. I was like, all right, so if you do something, if you put up a statue in the name of anti-racism and equality for black people, um, that's a crime. But if you graffiti a train, that's okay. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and the way she even realized, like she, after the break, she was like, I'm going to get destroyed on Twitter for that. Yeah. <laughs> like it was obviously stupid. Well, at least there's some reflection there. You know? yeah. <laughs> is she is she one of these people maybe you don't feel comfortable answering this but is she one of these people like which i've heard of like where on the tv they are forthright fire-breathing right-winger daily mail types they hate the nhs they hate the bbc blah 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 um and then once the cameras are off you talk to them in the green room then they're like ah i just do that stuff for the tv i just like i like making good spicy tv you know is it like that so with Caramelon, it's, it's tricky because it, it's when she, when we were really like we had a really good working relationship. My mom, my mum used to think of her as my TV mum. Like mm. she, we 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 got on really well. Uh, but the more we interacted with each other on 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 air, the more she realized that every time I would face her, she, I would make her say something brain deadly stupid, right. and then she would get it in the neck on Twitter because she because she'd be exposed for it. And yeah. so she got, she sort of soured on me more and more until she eventually blocked me. And then I'm almost certain asked to never be put with me again. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so imagine, uh, she's Im like that. Imagine having that mentality. And look, Carol, if you're watching, I'm sure you're not. But if you do see this, I just like, there's no, hard, I mean, there's a few hard feelings. But if, <laughs> if, like, imagine having the psychology where rather than reflect on the things that you're saying, and the opinions that you're holding, your anger or your um, consideration is instead reserved for, I don't like the way that this guy made me say a stupid <laughs> thing, and now I no. feel silly about it. Like, how about you stop saying the stupid stuff? Right? <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be easier? It's insane. <laughs> it's um, insane. Like, and, and uh, another comparison would be Piers Morgan. He... What you see is what you get to a certain extent. Like right. when I would walk into GMB, off off air, he'd be the exact same. Like we we would, I'd walk in and he'd start arguing with me the moment he saw me, and then what you'd see on camera would be basically just a continuation of the argument we were having off air. Right. Um, but he he's also a huge hypocrite because 
um, when I asked him, despite us having going back and forth on Twitter for years, when I asked him to challenge the policing bill, which was going to criminalize noise, noisy protest, uh-huh. um, I said, hey, Mr. Free Speech, want to say something? Uh, that was when he decided to block me. Yeah. So Mr. That's free Speech does not care about free speech. Did you ever hear him justify that at all? Did he come out with a line like, oh, well, this is different because or? Uh, no, he said he he he, he, ne- he literally has never addressed it head on. He just he, his excuses. Well, Femi, you just got too annoying. Right. No. We've been going back and forth on every topic imaginable, but when it got into free speech, and we realized that he was going, he was essentially being silent on an issue where the right was silencing the left. Mm. That's that's something he didn't want to be drawn on, and therefore, bye for me. I'm out of the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Let's do. Two, we'll do two more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Super Tansky is in the chat. She's saying, uh, <laughs> ask Femi if he would prefer a spring or summer wedding. <laughs> oh, uh, it has to be spring. Uh, a, because I'm urgent. We need to get this done. Um, right. uh, B, um, uh, <laughs> don't, don't be having kids just yet. I mean, just <laughs> put it off long as you can. Okay. 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 Um, um Secondly, because I would sweat in a summer wedding. I don't want to sweat through my suit, so it had to be spring. Okay. Okay. Good answer. Uh, Louise Darby says, why isn't Elvis shunned as a paedophile? <laughs> I mean, we haven't touched on Elvis at all tonight, but it's a valid question. So. Why haven't we touched on Elvis? Why don't we do that every day? Um, <laughs> because, um, A, uh, it was of the time... Um, uh, just like everything is suddenly okay if you wind the clocks back a bit. Uh, he was also famous, a man, white, and sang well. Uh, we have accepted so much stuff from people that can sing well that is insane. Not just white people. Chris yeah. Brown, definitely, as well. The fact that he's still able to, to to go on stage without everybody saying, no, why is this man not in jail, is insane to me. Uh, but we seem to have lower levels for our um, celebrity singers than we do for normal people and politicians, in fact. Yeah. Um, uh, and certainly being on the list of being on Epstein's list didn't stop anybody from carrying on their day. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think it's just the the protection that certain celebs get. I think it's yeah. So when you say it was like of a time, I feel like so rather like I interpret that as rather than like, oh, you know, it happened ages ago. So let's forget it. Like, it's more like there was so little protection for vulnerable kids mm. around that time and so much adulation just thrown at people like it's like the most famous guy ever, Elvis mm-hmm. Presley. Um And and there were just different attitudes. Like, I don't even know if the word paedophile really got into my vocabulary until like the holly and jessica story like in the late 90s was that or early noughties like the ian huntley thing um so i don't think it was the same hysteria around that as there is now so i think that's probably a large part of it and now yeah but do you know what like e- even accepting all of that it is an interesting area to sort of probe because he did move priscilla presley into his mansion when she was like 14 or something there's lots and lots of stories of um especially in rock and roll of people who just married way way too young um mm. well uh, not even married like have you heard the stuff about led zeppelin like uh I- i'm guessing that I-, I wouldn't have known it but yes I'm horrendous so. it's like but okay. it, this is the thing is like 
you look at stories about, say, Michael Jackson, right? And you mm. look at stories about Gary Glitter and all of this stuff is rightly hor horrifying, right? And then you read some, like, rock biography and, like, accounts that have been backed up by other people, like, other, like, groupies, I guess, is the problematic way of describing mm. it from back in the day. But, like, I mean, these girls were, like, flagrantly underage and all this stuff is known about, but nobody ever fucking talks about it. And I'm like, yep. how can it be for one person over here? Like, for example, so with Philip Schofield, that stuff blew up like what, like only a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And that guy was like, I mean, I know he met him when he was like 15 or 14, didn't he? Yeah. But supposedly yeah. nothing happened until he was like of age. Yeah. So um, there's questions about the notion of grooming, but nobody can nail it down. Seemingly. Right. But it's so problematic to people that it became a tabloid explosion for like two weeks. Yep. And yet yep. these stories that horrify or would horrify the same like boomers and TV times buyers and this morning viewers mm. uh, will happily just turn a blind eye to Elvis and Led Zeppelin. Like Led Zeppelin come on the radio. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I love this. And it's just... It, it reminds weird, me of a um, of a Chris Rock joke. He said, uh, "You know how much we love Michael. We love Michael so much. We let the first kid slide." Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's what he does a joke on his latest one where he says, "Like he says, what is it? He's like people. It's called selective outrage, and he's like mm. having a pop at people who will like campaign to cancel R. Kelly." get r mm. kelly removed from spotify but nobody will ever campaign to get michael jackson because he's so like there's a talent <laughs> thing there isn't it it's like yeah <laughs> um i don't know anyway listen femi man thank you so much for coming on tonight um guys do go give femi a follow if you're not following him on youtube he's doing loads of stuff on youtube now um i've put the link to his channel in the description to this video so you can get to it nice and easily and uh, i mean obviously you're all following him on twitter already i'm sure um i'll be back next week i've got a solo show coming on tuesday or wednesday haven't decided yet um also next friday night i've got another super secret special guest um so do tune in for that always every friday half past seven if you want to get episodes of the podcast before the patron uh, before the patron before everybody else um jump onto patreon.com forward slash aid thompson or if you're watching on youtube there should be a little join button or a super thanks button like to say thank you or join the community there should be one of them anyway you'll figure it out um so yeah that's it from us thank you so much again for everybody tuning in thanks to my guest femi and uh we're out this motherfucker <laughs>